We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. KJ Podcast, what up my people? Welcome to another depressing Monday morning edition of the pod. 49ers get trounced, get their asses handed to them on Alumni Day, 39-10. LA Rams just come in there, waltz in, and do whatever they please. The game was not competitive. Six days after taking it to Aaron Rodgers, almost upsetting the Packers, 49ers laid down. We curled up in a ball. They were in the fetal position, and the Rams kicked the shit out of them. I was extremely positive after the last loss. Trust the Shanna plan. I'm still there. I trust the Shanna plan in 2019. This season is about to get tough as hell. Schedule eases up a little bit in the second half, but it's going to test how faithful you are. I want you to keep listening to this podcast, but we're going to be tough on this team and call it exactly how we see it. KJ Podcast is a part of Blue Wire, bluewirepods.com. Give everyone else a listen. Raiders, Warriors, SF Giants, Bay Area in general, expanding to other markets, giving you fresh local sports podcast content. Dear Lord, getting into this game, you have to begin with the turnovers. Remember 2016, Chip Kelly's one season here was the run defense. That was what was just horrible or was the second half offense. Every week that stood out. This season, it's the turnovers. 18 giveaways, three takeaways. 49ers literally do not know how to protect the football. Every week, the thing is flying up in the air into the other team's hands. And, I mean, they just can't get any type of play on defense. Jaquiski Tart, early in the game, it's 3-0. 49ers battled in the first quarter. It's 3-0 at the end of the first quarter. Tart had a pick six 
he could have ran back. I always pronounce his name wrong. It's Jaquaski. 49ers overhyped him. They thought he was going to be the difference maker. I see Eric Reed making more plays for the Carolina Panthers right now than Tart did. Another evaluation they probably got wrong in the secondary. He, he hasn't done shit all season, guys. He had a couple big hits last year. He's flashed. He's just inconsistent. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it's the turnovers. Gives them no chance to win. I'm saying even if they had turnovers go their way, the 49ers weren't going to win this week. But with C.J. Beathard and a normal turnover ratio instead of minus 15, this team is probably 3-4 and four instead of 1-6. and six. It is the ultimate thing to suck at. The run defense thing in 2016, so hard to watch. This is even more frustrating. Literally, it, it's like a, a bad high school team week after week. First turnover, Beathard held on to the ball too long, tried to throw it, got hit from behind. It's ugly as shit. The wide receivers, again, this has been the issue all season. Three catches for 29 yards yesterday combined. Nobody getting open. Oh, and by the way, Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib both didn't play. Two borderline all pro cornerbacks, not even out there for the Rams, was not a problem. Nobody could get open. And when they did, C.J. Beathard couldn't hit him. So frustrating. The block punt out of the end zone for a safety. Miscues everywhere. We all think Brita's a bright spot. Dude is banged up all season. And his running style at 190 pounds, I don't know if it's sustainable for him to be healthy and your lead back. We've had all this talk, oh, is Jet McKinnon going to come back? Are we leaning on Brita here? You saw Brita cough the ball up. I think he only had five carries on the day. I'm not totally punting on him. I'm not totally down on him. But realistically, is he going to be able to stay healthy during an NFL season with his body size? He's 190 and he runs like he's you know, 210, 220 up the tackles through the middle. It's just going to be hard for him to stay healthy. They might need to shut him down or else he's just going to continue to be nicked up. C.J. Beathard, God, I loved him against the Packers. I hate him against the Rams. I loved him against the Chargers. I hated him against the Cardinals. I really think that's what it's going to be. I I think I was sipping the Kool-Aid too hard. There's no way they're going to get a second-round pick for this guy in a trade. He's too inconsistent. I get he has nothing around him, but couldn't locate at all. Not totally his fault getting sacked seven times. A little bit was on Kyle. You didn't see the quick passing. You didn't see... Still a lot of play action against the Rams. I I don't know if that was the exact game plan to be running. Should have spread them out a little bit more. But again, Kyle's saying, my receivers can't even get open. I'm trying to manufacture some people open here. Dear Lord. I mean, the Rams had 13 and a half tackles for a loss. Unreal. After the game, Joe Staley said he's never seen a player as dominant as... Aaron Donald has four sacks in a game. Solomon Thomas hasn't had four sacks in his career. Yeah, I mean, we got to the offense there real quickly. The defense, my God. I mean, Tim Kawakami blasted Ruben Foster after the game in a column. Where has this guy been this season? Out of position a couple times, more missed tackles. I think this offseason may have had a bigger toll on him than we realized. Seems to have been affecting his play this season. By no means is he the problem on defense. Like, if you're going to bitch about Ruben Foster, you can bitch about 20 things before him. But I don't know. He hasn't had the same impact as last season. Niners have been pretty good at stopping the run. So, I mean, he's quietly been okay. But where are the plays? Where is a forced fumble? Where is he in the passing game at all making plays? 
This is why I didn't want the Niners to pick Roquan Smith. I think an inside linebacker using two first-round picks on that kind of overhyped in today's NFL. You just have running backs and tight ends who are faster than them generally and can get open on linebackers. They have to be super special. Ruben Foster's stock is down right now. That doesn't mean he can't finish a season strong. There's still nine games left. This felt like an early December game where the season was already over. There's still nine games left. It's a wash. This was the first week where I really missed Jimmy Garoppolo. You can say that every week, like, dear God, I wish he was on the field. But this was the week where it was like, oh, God. Like, no one's doing anything right. I felt like Jimmy Garoppolo could have walked in there, made a couple plays, you know, probably would have been 39-25 loss instead of all this. Oh, man, it's, it's frustrating. Already went over Tart, completely overvalued him. Remember, John Lynch extended this guy. In the offseason, he was going to be a free agent. I think it was just two years, $13 million. It's not like they were paying a crazy amount of money for Jaquaski Tart. It's not really working. Colbert will be the piece of free safety, I guess, going forward. I mean, we revisit this every week. They've picked the wrong players, essentially, on defense. Not ready to say Ruben Foster is that, but Eric Armstead finally got his first sack of the season. By the way, they owe him $9 million. In 2019, I think they can get out of that, but just to even extend Eric Armstead's contract before this season just shows I don't know what they're looking at on defense. Defense has not been horrible all season. They put up some stats. You know, they've had some rough spots here and there against Aaron Rodgers. They've they've been okay, but uh, they've just mismanaged personnel there. Offense. Pretty clear Pierre Garçon is not going to be on this football team next year. He's got an $8.4 million cap hit. There's a way to wiggle out of that contract. Um, yeah, I think he might be retiring. It's tough to see Pierre not be the Pierre Garçon I covered and really thought was going to be a difference maker this season. I don't know what he would have been like with Jimmy Garoppolo. Their first three games together didn't show much. He's not getting open. He's, he's not the same receiver anymore. He's 32 years old. He's just been nicked up too much. They can't count on him going forward. Marquise Gill was the only receiver to play like every snap. Everyone else was rotating in. Like they're already phasing Pierre out. They need Dante Pettis on the football field as badly as possible. The second half of the season is really going to be about Pettis making a huge impact and, and finding out your draft picks the last two seasons. Who's actually worth something? Who, who can you build around? Witherspoon wasn't terrible yesterday against Sean McVay's offense. I guess if you're looking for one positive, that, that's it. Uh, George Kittle is really the only positive, consistent player week in and week out. Five catches, 98 yards, a touchdown. They can't move the football without George Kittle. That's really, really bad. With that said, though, I mean, he's the best tight end in the NFC. I'm putting Travis Kelsey and Gronk ahead of him, but this season right now, George Kittle... I've said it, you redo the draft, I think he might be a first-round pick. Very valuable. Kyle has found a tight end. The main positive takeaway from the Rams' loss and from this whole season is that the number one pick is actually in play. 49ers will play the Raiders in a couple weeks on Thursday night. The loser of that game is going to be sitting in really good position. Raiders right now, without the injuries, have a better roster. I mean, Derek Carr... He's going through his struggles, but he's not terrible. 
Raiders can't protect the quarterback, but the 49ers can't really get after the quarterback. It's really going to be an ugly game on national TV, Thursday night football, Levi Stadium. Yeesh, Bay Area football, not in a good place right now. But I, yeah, I think the 49ers, at worst, are going to be picking four, fourth or fifth in the draft. Let's look at the schedule the rest of the way. Next week at Cardinals, they just are coming off a 45-10 loss to the Denver Broncos. Let's, let's just be nice and give the 49ers the win there. That would put them at 2-6. and six. Raiders, Thursday Night Football, we'll give that to the Raiders. 49ers would be 2-7. and seven. Good Lord. They're on Monday Night Football after that against the Giants. That is going to be the clown show of the year. Uh, I'm going to give that to Eli Manning and Odell Beckham. Their roster is in a better spot right now. As bad as Eli is, as bad. They have Saquon Barkley. They're going to have enough playmakers. So I'll give the Giants a win there. That'll put the 49ers at 2-8. and eight. At Buccaneers... That's a coin flip. The Bucks kind of suck. They did beat the Browns. Two and nine for the Niners. Seahawks on the road starting in December. Two and ten. Broncos at home. Two and eleven. Seahawks at home. Two and twelve. Bears at home. Two and thirteen. Close the season at the Rams. You're you're looking at a good shot at two and fourteen. Maybe you know they they sneak off a couple wins. Maybe they beat the Giants. Maybe they beat the Buccaneers. December, I don't see them winning a game. It'll be Seahawks twice, Broncos, Bears, and Rams. All those teams are competing for playoff spots. Um, if you're in the camp that all oh, the Niners need to win a couple games to you know build some positive momentum into the offseason, I think that ship has sailed. I used to be in that boat against the Chargers, against a bunch of other teams early in the year. Like, oh, okay, let's let's turn the ship around. Let's actually go five and eleven, six and ten. Niners will. That'll be a great accomplishment for Kyle. At this point, with how bad this team is and how not only do you want the number one pick, you want to be picking first in the second round, first in the third round. Now your second round pick is essentially a late first round pick. This team, while I think they can be a wild card team next year with everything going right and Jimmy G walking back in, I mean, you're seeing it right now. They need pieces at receiver. They need possibly another running back. We'll see with Jet McKinnon. They have a special teams guy, Raheem Mostert, leading the way there. O-line, I, I feel good about. They got dominated by the Rams yesterday, but I don't, I don't know where they would add a piece, maybe at right guard. D-line is just the saddest position potentially on the team. It's, it's week seven. Solomon Thomas does not have a sack. He does not have a position on the field. He did play inside and made one play yesterday. If you get one play from him a Sunday, that's now seen as a success. We've beaten this horse. Um, I don't think he can start and play majority of the snaps next year i don't think you could trade him for anything higher than a six round pick at this point he just doesn't have the nfl body and athleticism bottom line buckner made one play yesterday but he had a strong september i want to say he had a very quiet october you're here obviously counting on him but people saying oh he's aaron donald he's depoy there were people in the building calling him depoy 49ers internally overvalued everything in their refrigerator they thought they were about to cook a gourmet meal when it's really just salmon on a Tuesday from your girlfriend that's half-assed. I mean, the roster does not have elite pieces at all. And the pieces they thought were elite, like Buckner and Foster, have a long way to go. And that's okay because they're still young NFL players, but I still think those guys are two seasons away from really hitting their stride, which is difficult to watch and difficult to see. Ronald Blair's the best player on the D-line right now. You're a six-round pick from a year ago who was... I think on the roster bubble to start the year is the one making the most plays right now on defense. 
it's bad. Fred Warner did have nine tackles. Like, there's not much more you can ask for him. Third round pick coming in, being a starter, that that doesn't look like a wasted pick. Um, God, it's it, it's just tough going through this roster, position by position. The Rams came in here and did whatever they want. They knew it wasn't going to be a contest. They knew the 49ers were going to give them the game early on a silver platter, and they just they went up 22 nothing, and it was over. I feel bad for Kyle. Some of this is on him, but not really a lot of it. This season's a complete wash. I was watching the game yesterday in D.C. with my Redskins friends at a sports bar, had both games on, had the Ravens Saints on. The Niners are just so far away from these teams without Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll see next season. It's really hard to predict how good Jimmy G will be. You're thinking it's December. You're, you're praying that, it, that it's December of 2017. Those are the only bright moments right now during the Kyle Shanahan era. Outside of that, it's been a lot of lows. It's looked too similar to Chip Kelly. It, it's partially his fault. It's more John Lynch in the personnel department, I believe. I think Kyle's doing a pretty damn good job coaching. As you saw against the Packers, as you saw against the Chargers, you saw them mount the comeback against the Chiefs. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm like sighing and frustrated. I recorded this podcast on a Monday. I was like, I'm not going to waste my Sunday night yapping about this team. Well, I mean, we're going to remain faithful and we're going to do two podcasts every week right now. But this is the most fucking frustrating team in the league. I think the Cardinals are probably a little bit worse. Maybe the Giants are a little bit worse. But you're minus 15 in turnovers. You have your backup quarterback. No skill players besides George Kittle are helping you out. You have a good old line, but it's what? It's keeping certain games close. They can't make plays to win. O-linemen set up everything for success. They, they can't make plays to win. That's why I was critical of it earlier. I'm, I think it will work in 2019. Jimmy G's going to walk back in. The run game is still been effective. This season sucks. That's the bottom line. It has a 2016 Chip Kelly season about it. Or feeling about it. Kyle is not on the hot seat. Next year, if the Niners go 4-12, and 5-11, Kyle and John Lynch might be on the hot seat. I don't see that happening. I see them being competitive next year. It, it sucks. We're, we're waiting for next season. Every single decision right now is about next season. Yeah, I mean, we can run through more of the roster. I don't think I've already been through this. Armstead will not be here. Pierre Garcon will not be here. Earl Mitchell's due four and a half million. They're gonna look to move on from him. Malcolm Smith's due five and a half million. There's no way they're gonna pay him that. Solomon Thomas next season is due seven point six million. I'm not saying this is a cap room thing. The 49ers have plenty of it, but it's out of whack who's making the money here. It's just not a good situation to be in. Richard Sherman is the is the piece here that you wonder about. I think they're they're gonna keep on to him, but I've seen a lot of people on Twitter say, trade him now. He's looked good. He's probably going to be worse next season. Like You got him at his best. You signed him a three-year deal. There's no way Richard Sherman's going to be this good three years from now at the age of 33. He's due $10.5 million. I still think they keep on him because they just don't have enough good players, and he's damn good right now. They just are going to ride or die with him. $10 million's not too much. And plus, he's going to have to play every game and hit all his incentives to make that money. Marquise Goodwin's only due $4.1 million. He's going to be in the fold for quite a bit. You're paying Brock Coyle 3.2. I mean, now you're just getting down to the bottom of the barrel. Garnett, Joshua Garnett's not been their draft pick, but he's been inactive for like much of the season. I wish I had more positive news to say. 
we are going to start looking at the draft. That's what's exciting about the 49ers now. We are going to take a little bit, a couple minutes here to just look at some mock drafts to keep you excited because right now 2018 is depressing as hell. Some of it's injuries, but some of it's not, guys. Some of this is this football team's not very good. The way they were put together as a team, there's just holes and flaws. But yeah, looking at a couple of different mock drafts here, I think the biggest thing if the 49ers get the number one overall pick is that there are a couple QB needy teams, one being the New York Giants, another being the Denver Broncos. I don't think the Buccaneers are going to draft a quarterback yet or like would trade the farm to get up to the number one overall pick. But I mean, I don't think Jameis is the long-term answer there. Other than that, most teams do have a quarterback. So the 49ers, if they do get the number one pick, it looks like Justin Herbert from Oregon is the top guy. I have not seen him play this year. I have not watched much college football at this point. I'm going to start watching individual prospects, their tape. The 49ers could trade down a couple spots from the number one pick, get even more picks. That should be the play. If it's Nick Bosa and everything's going well, maybe you pick him one. But if, if, if you're moving down like three or four spots and you like a couple guys, I, I don't think that's the wrong decision. We'll see what happens with Justin Herbert. There's rumors he might stay at Oregon. It's too early to tell. College football still has five games left. So things can change entirely. Nick Bosa will be in play. I like what he did. Why go back to Ohio State, play for Urban Meyer to try and win a national championship? You get hurt again. All of a sudden, you're a late first-round pick. You've just cost yourself millions of dollars. This is going to start to be a thing. And similar to how the NBA with the G League is going to do a professional plan, $125,000 salary if you want to skip college, sign a contract in the G League, I think eventually... This league that Ebersole and Bill Polian are starting in February is going to become a minor league and players like Nick Bosa who don't want to play college can, you know, the, the top guys may not get there. I'm not exactly sure yet how it will work, but the NFL needs a developmental league. I applaud Nick Bosa for saying, you know what? Screw you, Urban Meyer. I owe you nothing. This is all about myself. You have to be selfish in these situations. The colleges never have your best interests at heart. Um, I keep mentioning Ed Oliver. He will be in play. Houston defensive lineman. He's probably the closest thing to Aaron Donald we've seen in a prospect in the last five years. A game wrecker in the middle. Him and Buckner together would be a formidable duo. You'd obviously think about it. I don't. I, I'd prefer an edge prospect if it's close between Bosa and Oliver. You obviously want the best player of the two, but this team needs edge so badly. Greedy Williams, we've mentioned, LSU corner. CBS Sports has got him to the Niners. I haven't seen tape on him. I'm going to give you a full report later in the week on these prospects, but start getting to know some names here. Nikhil Harry, the receiver from Arizona State, if somehow the Niners won a couple games and went 5-11 and they were picking in the top 10, he's nasty. He's probably the best receiver in this draft class. 42 catches, five touchdowns so far this season. Arizona State prospect. 49ers have needs everywhere. I have said it before, too. Last week, it's impossible to sustain an incredible defense year in and year out. The Rams came into the week 17th in DVOA. The Vikings have taken a step back. Oh, early in the season, the Bears looked unbeatable. Now they're allowing a ton of points back-to-back weeks. 
You want those pieces on defense, but it is much more important to build a high-powered offense in today's NFL, the way the rule changes are. Everyone sees it. The best offenses right now in the league are the teams who look like the Super Bowl threats, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Patriots. Defensive success is hard to sustain in today's NFL. You have Farrell, the D-lineman from Clemson, too. DeAndre Baker's a name, a corner from Georgia to look at. Dexter Lawrence is a defensive tackle from Clemson. They, they're not going to pick O-line. 49ers are not going to go O-line, so you can eliminate that position from the first-round pick. They're not going to go linebacker. They're not going to go quarterback. It's, it's going to be D-line, corner, or wide receiver. One of those three. Honestly, they can double up at all those positions. They signed a big-name corner, which there's not one out. They could also draft one. They, they traded for an edge rusher. They could also draft Nick Bosa. That's how badly they need both. Same at receiver. We don't know Dante Pettis yet. That's been the biggest disappointment so far this season. Player-wise, with an injury, we don't know what Pettis is yet. He was the, one of the best players in training camp for this season to become watchable and to know what's in the cupboard. The most important thing in November, December, how good is Dante Pettis? I don't think Kyle's going to force him the ball. That's not what he'll do, but... I think Garcon is pretty clear. He'll be going to the bench. It'll be Goodwin and Pettis on the outside. What a nightmare. I mean, I remember talking in July being so effing excited for this season. For the first time since I covered the skins with RG3, the Niners were supposed to be legit. A team I was going to talk about on a daily basis was going to come into this league and compete and probably make the wild card. If not, have a damn good season. This has been the most frustrating season, I think, for Niners fans this decade. Again, that includes the Chip Kelly disaster, includes last year, includes the Harbaugh fiasco. This has been the most difficult. There were expectations with Jimmy G. He's out of the picture. Jarek McKinnon, the turnovers, the defense not being able to get any pressure from a high-priced D-line. No one in the secondary stepping up besides Richard Sherman. George Kittle has been the saving grace of the season. He's been the only person that you're like, I love you. I love you, George Kittle. Brita's up and down. I'm not ready to say he's had an amazing season yet because he literally can't stay healthy because the Niners are throwing him out there when he, maybe he shouldn't be playing. KJ Podcast. We're going to continue talking about the Niners. I'm sorry it was down and depressing today. I trust the Shannon plan. I think he's a top five offensive mind in the game. And I think that matters so much. Like I just told you, it's impossible to sustain defensive excellence. It is possible to be a really good offense five years in a row in the league if you have the right quarterback, if you have the right play caller, if you have the right pieces around him. I don't think the 49ers are eons and eons away from having a legit offense. Are they eons away from winning a playoff game? Could that come in year four? Hopefully. I think next season is going to be... 49ers will have... Some people completely off their bandwagon. They'll have others saying they'll be back with Jimmy G. This is the troubling stat going forward. Bethard and Jimmy Garoppolo each in their career have 361 attempts, passing attempts. Bethard is going to go into next season a more experienced quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Of course, it's not a quarterback controversy. Just saying your franchise quarterback is going to turn 27 next season, and he's really not an experienced quarterback at all. Jimmy G, 236, 361 2,968 yards, 17 TDs, 8 interceptions. Bethard, 210, 361, 2,400 passing yards, 11 TDs, 13 interceptions. It's clear that Garoppolo is better than Bethard. 
It's just also scary. Beathard is going through some growing pains, as any young quarterback does. Jimmy Garoppolo will struggle next season. The point of this season was to get those struggles out of the way. Now he's going to be playing with a knee brace, probably. We don't know if his mobility will be a little bit limited. We don't know. I mean, dude is going to just not have the same experience. He, he doesn't have the experience. That's the scary part of next season. That's the scary part about all of this is that they need Jimmy G to bail him out. And we know that he potentially can, but we don't know it's a slam dunk. That's the scary thing moving forward. KJ podcast, depressing 49ers talk. This team is one and six. I think anything between four and 12 and two and 14 is realistic. I trust the Shanna plan. I think this team will be better next season. And in year four, they'll be in the playoffs. Buckle up. It ain't going to be fun the rest of this year. You're really going to have to be faithful. We're going to continue to deliver you podcast content. BlueWirePods.com. You think this is depressing? Check out the Raiders. At least Kyle's not calling out players like John Gruden. At least people aren't getting benched and there's trade rumors and everything. It can be worse. There are other clown shows in the league going on. The 49ers are a clown show on the field. I think they're pretty buttoned up off of it. I'm sorry this is so depressing, guys. I'm sorry I'm pointing out warts and ugly things about this team. Certain guys are not going to be on the roster next year that maybe the 49ers had big plans for. Tweet me, Mr. Underscore Kevin Jones. Let's continue to talk about this football team. Try and enjoy your Monday. I know it's tough. Try and enjoy the rest of the week. We'll talk to you again in the middle of the week. Peace. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.